Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Matt Peters. I'm with CircleView, um, and I'm here with Kevin White today, and we're going to talk about remote work. So, Kevin, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you work for, your background. Sure. Uh, so, uh, I've been across all kinds of different industries. I did 12 years in the Navy as a nuclear engineer on a submarine, both operationally and on the training side. and, and uh, and that was really interesting. When I got out of the Navy, I worked for a power industry for a while, worked for chemical manufacturing. Uh, and so my background's always been in different types of processes. Um, and right now I work for a company called EIS. And it's nice because uh, we're really a consultation co company that looks at what tools you have in place, understands where you want, what value you want to get out of those tools, especially digital tools, and how do we tie those all together. So I'm not selling you anything other than hey, you have all these great tools, you could probably use it to get to this information. And as you know, there's a bunch of companies who have a bunch of data out there that really don't know how to leverage it, even know it's there, or if they did know it was there, know what to do with it. And uh, as being able to speak the speak of the C-suite, we know what they want to see, right? We know the KPIs they want to see, and they've got all the data there for it. So my job now is heavily uh, on problem solving in the digital space, especially in manufacturing. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. So uh, one of the things that um, I just made a video on last week was getting started in this digital space, right, in manufacturing, because um, I've seen this, you know, over the years, and, um, you know, I still see it, is that there are companies out there, and they may be a midsize or smaller size manufacturing, and they're like, okay, this, this digital revolution, industry 4.0, it's here and it seems like I should be doing something, but I just like, it's so like, I don't know where to start. Can you help me? You know? So do you have any advice for people that are in that spot? I, I do. And it's actually the backwards of how a lot of people go into it, right? One thing that really scares people in data is the data lake mentality of, oh my God, everything's digitized. Everything's telling me a one or a zero what do I do? And you freak out, right? Yeah. Um, because really, as things become more digital everywhere, everything has a digital signature. So needing data is actually, and getting to that data is actually not as hard as it used to be. So really the better way, and I'm a minimalist, is what do you wanna know? What do you wanna do? So for example, if you know a KPI that you really care about, because it's on your metrics, it's driving what your company performance is, it's on your strategic vision, well, more than likely, if you sit down and look at that KPI, you can understand what data points are necessary to give you that KPI. After you do that, those are the ones you need, right? If there's some other great data point, unless it's driving what you've determined as a key performance metric, you shouldn't pay that much attention to it, right? Because it's truly not driving the data that you want. So if you go from the simple point backwards, it actually makes it really easy because then you're a minimalist. You're like, oh, I, I guess I only need four data points from each of these machines and it'll tell me everything I need to know per my metrics. And then from there, you can go deeper dive on it. But really and truly, that's what I've been doing with a lot of customers and saying, yeah, you've got all this data, but what do you wanna do with it, right? I wanna get faster, awesome, how do you measure speed? I wanna get better, good, how do you measure good or bad? And once you figure those out, then instead of go diving into the lab and saying, look what I found, you can say, look, all I really need is these three numbers. And it makes it a lot simpler at that point. Once people are comfortable at that point, then it becomes modular and builds out from there. Yeah, and that's that's perfectly perfect advice. That's what I've seen. Uh, we've seen that together in in the past, working together, and um, you know, starting start somewhere where you you want to go, where you're measuring what that will make sense and and fits 
your business needs, start measuring that and just go from there. Yeah. Well, and when you say business needs, the really cool part about it is when you look at what a business, right, how you're defining whether you're doing well or not, you can really index it to the same value, right? So if your plant is based on a profit and loss sheet, right, then you know your metric is going to be in dollars. So set everything equal to dollars. So those process variables may not tell you exactly what you need to know. But if you can find the right process variables and the right context variables, right, a dollar per pound, a dollar per megawatt, those kind of things, now you can use that variable and that valuation you've put together and actually show it in dollars and cents how much each of those metrics mean to you. So you can actually massage that data in a way that instead of just saying, sure, it's at eight gallons per minute. And then you have to think in your head, oh, is that good? Is that bad? Is that better than it's been? How much does that cost me? You actually say, there's no eight gallons per minute. You see that that pump is running $4 slower than it should. (laughs) Right now you care about it, so. Right, and that's, I think you've done some things like that or you've started to build some models that, that show that impact, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing, and you and I know this from being in manufacturing, one of the biggest problems in manufacturing is we have all this great real-time data that we use to aggregate and do what we call a postmortem, like what went wrong, right? So after everything screwed up and we realize it was messed up, we go back and go, well, let's go through the data and figure out why. The cool part with all this real-time data that we're talking about, all this live data is if you set up the system right, then instead of knowing at the end of the week that that process deviation costs you $1,000, you could figure out Monday morning, hey, if we keep deviating like this, by the end of the week, it's going to cost us $1,000. So it's really how do we shrink that loop time from the information gathered, right, which is in microseconds for these devices, to when we actually get to see it and what our brain does with it. And that's another thing as I talk to customers, right, is they go, well, I want to see that pump speed. And I go, why? And they go, well, because I know if it's this, then I combine it with this and it gets me to that. And that's the number I really care about, but I know I've got pump speed. With the way you can digitally structure this now, instead of doing all that intermediate, hope your brain remembers how to calculate it, thumb rules and tribal knowledge, what do you care about? Oh, I care how much that costs me. Beautiful. How do you calculate it? And now when you look at the screen, instead of saying pump, now my brain has to work through all the boundaries, costs associated, you see that's what the cost is. Yeah, great, great stuff. I totally agree. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so we talk about a little bit of what you do um, mm-hmm. and what you do right now, uh, mostly remote, but you are doing site visits as needed, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you think that, that that's been going in terms of you know it's been a year or so where we're, we're kind of in this hybrid remote environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's that been going for your company? So for our company. It's good, but I think what we're seeing is the customer base is realizing that this is the new normal, right? Really and truly. Um, And again, if you talk to people who have traditionally been in manufacturing and operations, they've been in it for a long time. So that scenario I give you of, oh, I want to know that pump speed. That's a common type of what, what level of information they are comfortable with and they've always seen. As they're backing up from this, right, they're realizing they can't see that every day the way they want it to. And so they really have to thinking, what information do I really want? So instead of being able to walk the plant floor and hear everything and see and talk to people, in this remote environment, how do you get those key parameters in front of people so they can get an overall system understanding and know what to do next? And so I see a lot of customers going, well, the computers and the processes and all these systems are telling us stuff, how do we see it without having to go physically to each source? And the great part about it is the digitization that allows you to aggregate that 
also allows you to not have to be there physically as much and allows you to bring in subject matter expertise to look at common issues in real time live. And so that's really been what it is, is how do you bring all the people together focusing on the same problem that's been identified by the system as a problem because you've got basic entry points without having to go through the sure everything's okay. Right. How do I get right to what's necessary and add value to return something to that? And again, previously, like you and I know from manufacturing, a lot of it was face to face in person. And yep. by no means are we ever going to go from having people in manufacturing facilities to robots tomorrow by any means, nor do we want to on a lot of cases. Right. But that that interaction with knowledge is what a lot of us are used to face to face. We can't control a system without understanding that knowledge. So now we've got to find new ways to integrate that knowledge. And then we're finding out a lot of times this allows us to bring more people to the table. So yeah. our constraints before were physical. Those constraints have now been removed. There's some other things we have to work with, but it also means that the table just got a heck of a lot bigger. Yeah, so. I, I totally agree with that. So on that point, that kind of loop, loops back to what you were saying earlier about uh, measuring what you want to know in in, in, a, in a value that makes sense, or it's clear to understand. So like in the past, we would go out and walk the floor. We would, we would, uh, we would see uh, the process variables, and then we would have to use our background, our knowledge, our knowledge of the process, maybe the people who are working out there to make sense of what those variables mean in context. Yep. Uh, but, but if you're able to do what you're talking about and make that uh, you know, streamline that, make it simpler and easier to understand for somebody, uh, for anybody, you know, someone who's not there at the process, that just increases your, your chance of being able to collaborate more with more people and get more experts in and you know, all those, all those type of things. Well, absolutely. And you, and you know, the thing that we found, especially in manufacturing, right. And it's always a training issue is how do you make sure that the individual who is really the value add point of the process, right? Is the only one truly transforming one thing into another, right? Everybody above that is all overhead. So if you're truly about supporting that person, then you have to have them, you have to understand how valuable they truly are in your system. And that value really derives from their knowledge, right? Their knowledge is their value. The issue is when you don't share that value, right? And you and I know because we fought that fight about, you know, what we call tribal knowledge. Oh, yeah. When Joe does it, he does this tweak of the valve here, even though the procedure says not to. And his product comes out perfect every time. And you go, well, why isn't that part of the procedure? And you go, well, it's something Joe learned over the years. Right. The problem is if that was a really good fix, everybody should be doing it and it should be in the procedure. And what we find out is that that democratization of knowledge by making it standard allows those barriers to not exist. Instead of having peaks and valleys of knowledge, you've now set a baseline, right? And I'm not saying subject matter experts will not have more than that, but you come to the table with that same common knowledge. So one other thing you're able to do with this is standardize those thumb rules, common experiences, things of that nature. So it's not, hey, Matt, what have you seen in the past? It's, you know what, let's look at what all the systems have seen in the past. And let's put it all out there so we're not just relying on Matt's memory. And so I see that also as being able to bring people up to speed a lot quicker because they don't have to have that prerequisite knowledge. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to have subject matter experts. It means that our baseline, our level of knowledge can continue to move up because if we standardize at that level, that's our entry point. So, Yeah, so so we both, we both love standardization, right? <laughs> Um, so let's talk about that. So 
you know, I, I think about that. I think about a plant. They may be, they may want to start the standardization because of all of the benefits that you get. You can add that into your digital process. You can bring everybody along. Is there anything, you know, that in your path that, that you've found that helps that other than, you know, just, you just got to do the work. You have to go through each process and understand what the best things, you know, what the best step is or the best way to do it. Um, anything more than that? Then? Well, it really comes to that, that strategic vision, right? It depends on where are we all pointing and how do we know if we're pointing that way or not? And if you can really at that point, if you can get those, right, of how do we deter, what, what is good or bad, right? Just generally directionally. The really interesting part, and I think you and I have seen this, uh, especially with lean management system where they work on a tier board, right? Because each tier represents a different group of people who care about hypothetically different things, but it's actually the same thing, just with different dressing up on it, right? Different contextualization. So if you can standardize on the data, right? And realize that that frontline data point, that process variable is actually the same thing the CEO cares about, right? But for a different reason. And I'll kind of give you a quick example. So if we talk about say pump speed, right? I think I talked to you about this one before. On your frontline process, your operator cares because pump speed is going to change, you know, how their mixing por, you know, profile goes. So they care about if that's fast or slow. Supervisor, supervisor cares now because that's going to change when this product's going to be released or not. Engineer cares because now it's run X amount of hours and we know mean time between failure is right where it is. So if you run any longer, you're probably going to have to change that pump out, right? The plant manager cares because of all those things. So now you've got maintenance costs, you got delivery time, you've got all these different things that boil up that are all literally from that frontline process variable of GPM times, you know, against the standard. And what's that costing you? So when you talk about the standardization, I think that's the best way to do it is people feel that it's not standard because they get their data from so many disparate sources. If you can standardize that process variable link for every you know, tap off of the, the things you care about and you go, where is this coming from? And you show it and it's transparent and you know it's not a spreadsheet that had a macro that had a printout and you yeah. see it live, people then begin to trust it, right? And people then go, oh, we're all aligning up the same variable that's driving us to the same goal. And so I think there's an opportunity for tools that allow you to structure um, your uh, your assets and both your data to say who cares about what and what are the process variables we need for that. Um, and you know, there's different tools to do that, but it's all really that structuring to what do you want to get to, you know? Yeah, that's such a powerful concept to, to have um, everyone from the front line to the top end management understanding what the metric is and what it means for for the business right so huge yeah. huge and that and you know it actually makes it makes dashboarding and discussing a lot easier because you say okay well what's my metric and it's got to be whatever your important one is and then if it's not on target why right it's the where are we and why aren't we where we think we are? And so if you go through everything that way, then it becomes very easy to say, okay, here's the impact, here's the why. And now you can say, okay, if I wanna change that impact, here's the whys I have to adjust. Yep, yep, good stuff. Um, okay, so let's talk about maybe some more of, of that uh, remote work. Um, just maybe, maybe your personal, uh, what have you, 
have you changed from your in your routine, your day to day routine, uh, going remote? So in my day to day routine, so when I started this role, I was it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I was there as everyone else was trying to figure out how they did it. And you know me, Matt. I'm a I'm a guy who I love people. So I people saw me going to remote work and thought, oh my gosh, Kevin's going to lose his mind here. However, what I found out is I am much more efficient because of the way I'm able to schedule things out. So instead of walking to a meeting and forgetting something and having to go back, everything's digitized. So it's all here. So one thing I've realized in remote work is I can actually, because we're using computers for this, I can queue up all the electronic documents I want to show. Right. And I can share them as we're coming across. So coming into meetings, planning has been different from me where it's, wow, I'll have to figure out what everybody wants to see. So the next meeting I can show it to them. I now can walk in and as people are talking, I've got all this there. Not to say I didn't have that before, but in a room, it's a little different, you know, as you notice. So so that was one thing I found out I was able to plan for meetings. And I've always thought I planned really well for meetings, but I realized I could only plan to what I was going to react to. Now I can be much more proactive. I can have all that information there. The other part about it is uh, my remote work has made interactions such as this much more uh, meaningful and powerful. Right. Um, yep. I, I love interacting with people. But if you look at your day, how much was, hey, how are you? You know, that good, normal human interaction. How much was really focusing on another individual and really listening to them and really doing. So remote work has made it that when I do interact with a customer or with a person, it's that much more impactful because all my focus is there. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'll see him tomorrow. And so it's almost like a treasure as goofy as that sounds. <laughs> and so I approach these meetings as that. And so I'm really able to focus for the time and know that at the end, then my brain can turn off and I can go to something else. So that very quantized uh, focus is really helpful for me. And then lastly, I really like the remote work because it gives me the flexibility, right? Um, I work with customers across the world. Uh, and so I don't have to quote unquote, change my schedule to communicate with them. I can do a meeting whenever because it's no longer that set time of eight to five is when you'll be in the office. It's when do you need support? When do you need help? And as you learn that, and as you figure out when those times are, then I can fill those other non-work points with other things I need to get done to make sure that I'm not just sitting around all day waiting for things to happen. So I feel like I can be much more focused on that. And in fact, as goofy as it sounds, I end up with more free time than I knew what to do with before because I've done so well segmenting out my day, um, yeah. which actually allows me times to build in time to do nothing, to go walk in my garden or go for a run or do something of that nature that I maybe wasn't able to do before because I was more reactive. Being proactive in the remote work style allows me to really schedule what I want as important during the day. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on every one of those points. Um, so, for example, I just had a meeting with some people who work in China last mm -hmm. night. Uh, we scheduled for six o'clock. It's their uh, start of their day or near the start of their day. It's the end of our day here. Yep. Uh, before remote work, oh man, that would have been annoying, right? Could you imagine? You'd have to work with your boss to say, hey, I'm having a late call tonight, so can I bug out early from work yeah. today or show up late tomorrow? And the thing about it is we're, especially in these type of roles that we have, right, where you're doing projects and you're talking to people, you find that that freedom and flexibility really just drives the time you have to put into it. My kids at home know that I'll go on sprints at home where I'll go for two yeah. hours and I'll say, I'm going to sit down, I'm gonna go for two hours. 
Now, I stop myself at that end of the two hours, even if I'm not where I want to be, because I know that at two hours, I start to have diminishing returns. I know at that point, I need to step away, need to go have a cup of coffee, shoot some hoops, whatever it is, reset. And that may only take 10 or 15 minutes, but that allows me now to regroup, breathe, and hit it again, right? Um, And the remote work, I think, really sets you up to do that. And like you said, it, it brings people across. I'm working on a current project with a large consumer health group where I've got team members in the UK, in France, in Switzerland, and in Mexico. And then of course me in the US. Uh, and in the US, we've got teammates who are in different time zones in the US. Yep. So being able to pull that together used to be, oh yeah, corporate has to deal with that. But now operationally, we're realizing, especially as we're getting more digital, the replication opportunities are there, is well, if we can do that in this plant and you have the same setup in that plant, then we're really having those opportunities now at the plant level to discuss that, that we may not have had before, before remote work really hit. Yeah. Yeah, fully. Yeah. 100%. And, and one of the things, so you mentioned like the two hour thing, uh, something that works for me is the 25, five. So, you know, focus mm-hmm. on something for 25 mm-hmm. minutes, go take a five minute break and then back at it. Right. So, yep. Uh, but that allow, but it's much easier to do that in this remote environment. It's than it was, I hate to say it, at the plant, right? Where yep. there's always somebody coming. And not to say that that's not important. That somebody, you know, there's there's issues out on the floor or whatever to deal with. But um, it was hard to focus on deep, meaningful work in that environment. So agree. Well, and you know, I look at the remote work and I think about what it would look like for us in the plants right now. And you know, it was, I was talking to someone about this. They go, well, you know, you come in, you walk around the plant. I go, why? Why did I come in and walk around the plant? That's the way I'd been trained because we weren't really in a digital transformation world. Realistically, there should be enough di- digital information out there to instead of me walking around to say hi to everyone and check in, I should be able to narrowly focus like a laser in on the problem set. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not important for interpersonal relationships to go talk to people and understand how they're doing, and we shouldn't just exclude people and go right to problems. But if I knew coming into the plant that I had a dashboard, right, that had red and green on it, and I'm like, whoa, yep, vessel one, that's who's red, that's going to be the first thing I go look at instead of what we were doing, which was aggregating data from the previous day manipulating in a way to figure out if we're on path or not, and then trying to Pareto those to figure out which one to go after first. That manipulation of data that was very manual and heavy lifting should be bypassed with digitization so that now we can be so much better at what we do. And so I think of that as an engineer and when I'm going into the plant, right, should I have to even see a board of green? No, if I don't get an email that tells me I've got an error, then my assumption should be everything's going well, right? Right. And if I do have an error, it's because the system has been set up to tell me I'm above or below a spec. Here's probably what you should do about it. Here's the printout of the last or the the screenshot of the last eight hours of operation, so you can pick up some stuff, and then you will know exactly, and you'll be with that information, right? And when we talk about multi-site as well. I see that as being so much more efficient and effective, right? Is let's talk about the problems. Let's talk about the actions and, and less of the, let's go collect all of this. And like you and I know that's, I mean, that's a good portion of the job right there, right? Of of being an engineer is just getting all the data so you can look back at it to figure out what the problem was that may have occurred up of a week late before, you know? Yeah. And, and, and by that point, you, you lose the opportunity to figure out what's going on. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that that's a great, you kind of uh, teased it already, but um, talking about how we think it's going to look going forward. So like five years from now, um, I mean, I firmly believe, you know, at least the top companies, the, the companies that are going to strive for excellence are going to have some sort of a flexible arrangement. And they're going to need what you're saying. They're going to need uh, a, a, a dashboard or a way for everyone to uh, understand what's happening, whether they're at the plant or they're not, and to clearly understand whether action is needed or not, right? So, um, I, I mean, is that how kind of what, what you're thinking as well? Oh, absolutely, because one of the things, and if you go back to that tier discussion we had, right? Yeah. When we talk, and, and I keep looking at the tier because I truly believe that that's the right way for information to flow, right? This, for me as a former military member, that very much mirrors how I saw my work during the day, right? I'd come in early to, to the, to the boat and I talked to the guys who were working on stuff. I'd understand what the plan was for the day, where they were and things, right? Then I'd get together with each of the division officers and we'd talk about interactive work. Then we get together with the entire ship and talk about things of that nature, right? So that roll up and, and you know, lean management system really has that inverted triangle, right? So that point of the triangle is down at that value add. The thing about it is though, if you look at the data flow for those, it was all manual data flow. Right. Uh, if a comment came up at tier one, how did it make it to tier two? Someone grabbed a note and ran it to tier two. And then if yeah. you answered it, you had to take that note back to tier one to say, yes, we answered it. But you also had to keep it for tracking on your tier two. And then you had to take it to tier three to let tier three know you were working on this action and tier one brought up. And so each of these handoffs of information were communication opportunities that were should have been digital could have been digital but they weren't because of where how we were working in a remote environment you're going to have to have that communication that tracking that flow of data in a digital way right there's you're, you're not going to be able to be remotely and hand that note over to someone and hope they run with it right the other part about it as we found out right was what happens if that note gets lost <laughs> what if you can't read what's on there what if somebody on tier one wrote blah 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 fix it. And you're like, I, I don't even know what blah, 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 blah is. You know, we've been in those scenarios. So you don't have that visibility. And that's what I really think the remote work is going to allow is because of the new structures on how information flows, how uh, problems flow, how results flow, it's going to have to be digital communication, right? Which is fantastic because once it's digitized, it's historized, right? So now instead of, and you and I have both been there, wait a minute, I thought we fixed that last week. How many cards did we get for that? And you look at the card and you're like, okay, did they write this before I fixed the problem or after I fixed the problem? And then you're going, oh man, um, do I have to go back to that? I have no clue. And I've got to find the person to talk to them and all these different things, right? Where in the digital world that we're moving towards on this, the top companies will have that historized, right? We'll have, here is that same comment that's shown up three times. Well, okay, well, maybe we should do something to fix that problem. So I really think that, like you're saying, we're going to have to, because we are being pushed more remote so we can effectively attack problems, all those things we used to do face-to-face, -face, we have got to come up with a digital equivalent of. We can't just not do it. And so I think that that's going to be a huge challenge. And I think that there are structures in place. I think people are still learning how to do that, yeah. right? So standing around a tier board was the way we used to do that. The way now may be everybody jumps on an eight o'clock call, wherever you happen to be, whether you're home that day or not, and you go through your kettle lineup and you only talk about reds and open comments, right? Yep. 
Yep. And that's where you are. And you're all looking at the same data source that was not printed out, that was not <laughs> spreadsheet macroed, right, which we do. <laughs> um, and it's all live, relatable data that we're all looking at and talking to, but only talking about the issues. And you've yep. got the group of people there. So those yep. communication skills, which, again, you and I know as engineers are is one of our 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 best our best opportunities to learn things right is how we talk to people about it and how we communicate that i think that's going to have to get transitioned into a digital manner right um and and how do we track those and we'll only be better for it at the end because then we'll have a history of it as well yeah i uh again i, I you're you're preaching to the choir here i must say um, matt I'm, <laughs> pretty sure we both built this together because we both had the same pain points you know and i yeah, really see yeah. it's interesting because my fear at first was remote work was we were going to get too disconnected the interesting challenges it posed was how do i stay connected in this and from that realizing we have a lot of the tools in place right now if we can get everybody on on the same page on this and yep. there's a lot of digital information we can use and we're doing a lot more manual manipulation of data than we need to um, and if we're remote and we want to be effective then we really can't spend our time crunching data we really need the system to tell us where the problem is and everybody has to agree on a solution quickly to hit it you know okay so maybe one last thing to talk yeah. about so you you started this position and it was just at the beginning moving into remote work. Yep. Um, what kind of uh, advice, tips, tricks, whatever, uh, or, or um, uh, other things that you have learned over the past year in terms of uh, like starting with a new client or learning a new operation? Um, is there anything that any advice that you have to give on that? Like we have this new environment, you know, one of the, because cause here's, here's what I'm thinking. We get a new hire at, at the plant and we go, mm -hmm. we tell them, go out on the floor, just go, go spend a couple weeks out on the floor and learn. Yep. Now you can't necessarily do that. Right. So how do we get those people on board? Yep. And, and actually it's funny cause I think the, the remote work, right. And, and remote work, I almost call synonymous with the digitization, right. The yeah. pandemic hit and it drove people remote. But if you notice even before that, right, we were getting pretty flex on how we interact with individuals and systems. Um, I would say that the, 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 the tip would be as you're going through this and with new people, try to make as much of that landscape digital. So for example, uh, I was working with a power company and a power generator down in uh, down in the Oklahoma, I believe. And they said, Hey, can you, can you come look through our process? Right? Well, I love that everybody thinks their process is special, right? But as you and I've talked about as generalists, we look at it and go, uh, so you put some stuff in, some stuff happens and it comes out. So it's an, it's an input process output member. Beautiful. Do you have any drawings of what your plant looks like? Oh yeah. We got P and IDs all over the place. Beautiful. Let's get that right. Uh, understanding how basic processes work, right? How a uh, a reserve tank fills or drops, right? How a centrifugal pump works. If you understand the basic building blocks, then their arrangement in the map becomes less important. To do that, however, means you have to digitally encompass each of those building blocks so that you can then learn to put them together. So I think remote work allows us, instead of just going out there and maybe in a less than structured or a tribal knowledge way saying, so this is how this pump works. And you go, but 
I thought it was a centrifugal pump. Why would you talk about the pistons moving back and forth? Well, you know, whatever, right? It's, <laughs> it's, you, you actually have a standardized, back to your standard, right? You have a standardized path for this. Digitization really allows you to do that, right? It, it makes it so that it's not a person-to-person -person telephone game of, I hope I got the information. Um, we're seeing that especially uh, for manufacturing systems, right? As you're pulling more data systems into place, a lot of times at, before you implement, you put it on a simulation system, right? Um, there's a company right now who I'm talking to about their simulation system saying, if you're gonna put this in to put in new product lines, things like that, it seems like that'd be a great test scenario for an operator, right? Run through some basic things, understand why things work that way. As we digitize, right, we're gonna have to make sure that everybody who's on the floor, it's not a black box. It cannot be, I don't know, the computer does it. And so yeah. that's gonna be the other part like you're bringing up of going and walking the floor. It used to be okay to understand basic mechanical electrical you know, uh, heat transfer. The next step, if you want to truly understand this and be able to integrate with this information digitally, so you got to understand the digital stuff, right? You've got to be able to understand that you don't have to go touch that pump to understand what a pump is. But what are the important signals a pump should send out, such as amp draw, right? Uh, if there's a vibration sensor on it, discharge pressure, right? Uh, incoming head pressure, so that if you have a cavitation, right? Those are really the three or four things you need to know on that. So it almost turns into the new frontier of knowledge for our new engineers has to be what does this look like in a digital setup? And hypothetically, if you understand that, then you don't need to go to the plant floor at all until there's a problem because you can see matrix style, right? The ones and zeros and the fact that that's not really a pump. That's actually four data signals being sent out, right? Telling sure. you something of a five if you want the off on switch, right? Those five signals will tell you everything you need to know digitally about that pump. So I, that's where I, I think it'll be different for people going out to the floor is it won't be now I need to physically know where this pump is. I need to know what data do I need from this system to make it run smoothly and then to optimize it, right? Standardize it and optimize it. And oddly enough, that doesn't require going and looking at the physical location of thing. That's more of understanding data aggregation and problem solving. Yeah, so again, uh I, this is a, just an overall theme here. Um, if you want to stay, you know, in this, or you want to stay competitive in this remote environment, you have to go digital. You, you, there's just no other way of doing it, right? There's not. There's not. And the thing about it is, it's. I mean, you've seen to the point now where, I mean, I know in my house, right? I've got two or three light switches that I've got on Wi-Fi, right? Because if I want to turn them on when I'm not there, if I want to make sure I turn it off. I mean, heck, the grill I just bought, you could put a temperature thermometer that's got Wi-Fi on it, so you know how hot your grill is at any time, right? Uh, I think a, a large phone company just came out with the, these little you know, uh, RFID-style things that you can track everything. So anything yeah. nowadays is giving off some kind of signal, and you're absolutely right. If you're not ready to take those signals, if you're still working in the analog world, your, your speed to answer is going to be way longer, right? And you're probably gonna have to redo it a bunch of times. I mean, how many times have we had to go track a data point that wasn't digitized <laughs> because we needed that number, but yep. the only way to do it was to go out and look at it. And after a while you go, oh, why do I keep looking at this data point? Why is it not showing up on a screen for me? And yeah. even more on that would be, well, what are you doing with that data point? And I'm going, oh, I'm combining it with all this other stuff to know this answer. I go, well, how about you just get to the answer? How about I just show you the answer? You understand the backside of it, but you don't have to do all the calculation yourself. 
or you don't have to do all the contextualizing yourself, or you don't have to go, for example, power plants is a great one, right? You need to know the temperature and the humidity, right? Because that'll be how, how you can on a combined cycle plant, how much megawatt output. So as a power plant guy, you're always looking what's the temperature and the humidity, but it's not because you care what the temperature and humidity is. You care because it impacts one of your variables. So yeah. it's a hard mind break to say, well, that's okay. I'll just look at temperature, humidity. I should be able to eyeball, guesstimate, yada, 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 right? It's to say, here's what you should be putting out. Here's what you are putting out. So all that back ment mentality we were doing, we yep. should bypass. You know, we should yep. jump to the answer. And you're right. It has to be digitized to get there. And I'm not saying that there won't be manual data entry that then becomes digitized so you can historize it. No one's ready for robots tomorrow all the way, you know, but there's a digital maturity you can work through, right? An automation maturity and digital life cycle that says, do we need this data point first of all? If we need it, we should probably automate it. <laughs> and if we automate it and we wanna do something with it, we gotta kind of build business rules around it to say what's high, low, how much does it cost me? And then probably an alarm or a trigger that tells you to go do something to return this to spec. All those are digital, right? That's all the digital life cycle. So how far advanced you wanna get, how many data points really is, where are you on maturity in that life cycle with your data points? Well, this was a excellent conversation. Thanks for for uh, agreeing to come on and talk through all this stuff. Um, oh, whenever you want, you know that's yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate you having me on this. Yeah. So um, yeah. So so Kevin works for EIS um, and uh, works with a lot of this. In, in this area a lot. He's, he's building lots of dashboards and, and visuals and helping companies uh, solve their issues that way. So um, we'll, maybe we'll bring it back sometime, but appreciate the discussion. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Matt.